Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. Last week, we kicked off this four-week series called Life Together. And we're talking about biblical community. And really, my hope and prayer is that God would give us a renewed vision for why we do community in the first place. I think it's so easy to show up at your small group or Bible study and just go through the motions and forget about why we're gathering um, to start with. And last week, uh, I shared from 1 Peter 2, and we talked about Christ as the cornerstone and the starting point of our community. That it all starts with Jesus. And if we miss the starting point, I think it has ramifications for how we do life together. And that a community centered in Jesus will ultimately long to please him with everything they have. Excuse me. This week we're going to continue on in this series, Life Together, and get a little more practical and look at the early church and how they lived life together. Would you just join me in prayer uh, as we begin? God, we thank you so much for your scripture, for your word, and how it shows us, God, what you really want for us um, in our relationship with you and our relationship with others. And we just really thank you for the early church and acts and just the picture of community uh, that you've given us. And I just pray this morning that we would just be really open to your Holy Spirit. Uh, We just remember, God, that you are present here right now and you're inviting us to really be a part of what you're doing, uh, to be a part of the church that you're building on this earth in these days, God. So I just pray for an openness and uh, just an availability to you that we would really hear what your Spirit's trying to say to us this morning. And I just confess, God, my dependence on you, my need for you even now. And just pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to start out by showing a clip from one of my favorite movies, The Patriot. It's an older movie, uh, but if you're not familiar with it, it, it's set during the time of the Revolutionary War. And the main character played by Mel Gibson is, is Benjamin Martin. And he's well known for his uh, being a great warrior and soldier during the French and Indian War. But right now, he is a father of seven children. And his wife passed away, so he's all on his own. And then there's this tension for him in wanting to be a family man and whether he wants to get involved in the war. We're going to watch a clip that highlights this tension, so watch it now. This is not a war for the independence of one or two colonies, but for the independence of one nation. And, uh, yes, what nation is that? An American nation. There is no such nation, and to speak of one is treason. We are citizens of an American nation, and our rights are being threatened by a tyrant 3,000 miles away. Would you tell me, please, Mr. Howard, why should I trade one tyrant 3,000 miles away for 3,000 tyrants one mile away? An elected legislature can trample a man's rights as easily as a king can. Captain Martin, I understood you to be a patriot. If you mean by patriot, am I angry about taxation without representation? Well, yes, I am. 
Should the American colonies govern themselves independently? I believe they can, and they should. But if you're asking me, am I willing to go to war with England? Well, then the answer is most definitely no. Okay, that's not like the greatest clip in the movie, but it drives home the point I want to make. There's a tension for him, and it goes beyond theoretical principles of government and diplomacy. Uh, and Later in that scene, it, it gets evident what his struggle is. He's a father with seven children to take care of. He wants to live a quiet and peaceful life with his family rather than get involved in a sacrificial fight for the common good. There's a tension for him when it comes to his personal life and his beliefs and values regarding the public corporate life. And that tension comes to a breaking point when tragedy strikes his family. And something snaps for him and his personal life and the fight for American independence comes together. And I think for us today, there's this constant tension within us to preserve our individualized life versus fighting for what's best and for the common and collective good. Larry Crabb writes the following, and this is he's writing regarding our life before God. And he says, the central motivating drive in human nature is self-actualization. This is defined as the basic tendency toward preservation and enhancement of self. And I think we've got to get really honest that there is a subversive value in our culture today that constantly pulls us towards self, towards the individual, towards the personal towards the private, and towards being independent. And I had this image in my mind all week as I thought about this, and I couldn't find a picture online that did it justice. But the image of like an infinite amount of one-way roads. And everybody is driving along on their own road. And in some ways, that's a lot easier. You don't have to deal with traffic you're in control, everybody is going solo, and it's not messy. But this is not the picture of biblical community. Following Jesus involves living a life together, where our lives intersect with one another, and a life where the preservation of self and independence begins to die for the sake of a life together. I really love the book of Acts and the glimpse that it gives us of the early church. We see how God is building a community that is together, not a bunch of individuals, and a community that shares life in real and genuine ways. This morning we're going to look at Acts 4, which Yvonne read for us, and get a window into what this togetherness looks like for them. A lot has already happened in Acts 4 before we get to our passage this morning. Peter and John were brought before the religious leaders, and they were being questioned for healing a man who couldn't walk. And Peter is unashamed before the religious leaders, and he declares that Jesus healed this man. 
he talks about Jesus as the cornerstone and that salvation is found in no one else. And Peter and John are eventually released and they gather together with the other believers and they begin to pray. And they pray for boldness to declare the message of Jesus in this world. And the Holy Spirit shakes the room where they're praying in. And then the scriptures begins to talk about the community that they shared together. And starting in Acts 4.32, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. There was a togetherness within the community that the Holy Spirit was building and establishing. And going back to that imagery of the road, this togetherness would be represented by one road with everybody traveling along in the same direction. One road, one community, not multiple parallel roads. And according to commentators, this phrase, one in heart and mind, is a Jewish expression. It wasn't found anywhere in pagan Greek literature. And many believe it's referring to the great Shema. The Shema was what the the Jewish people would say in the, the morning and the evening every day. And what Jesus would later refer to as one of the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. What this is implying is that the one heart and the one mind of the early believers started with their deep love for God, with all their being, all their heart, all their mind. This goes back to the message that I shared last week, that our ultimate bonds in community start with Christ and our desire to love and please him. So the Holy Spirit is building this community that's united and together and centered in a deep and true love for God. In the rest of the passage, we're going to see what this togetherness looks like, what happens in a community that the Spirit of God is shaping. This morning, I want to focus on two things that a together community values and how they share life. The first thing is a together community values dependence over independence. Okay. If you think about the progression of a person's life, starting at birth, there's this gradual growth in a person's independence. For little Johnny here, there's no expectation on him to take care of himself. Little Johnny isn't expected to change his own diaper, to give himself a bath, or to feed himself. He's incapable of those things. But as little Johnny gets older, there's a growing expectation on him to become independent. He has to learn to tie his shoes. He has to learn to brush his teeth and comb that crazy hair. And at the end of the teenage years, there comes this breaking point of independence. Little Johnny will either get a job or go off to college in a defining moment that he is fully independent of his parents. Well, maybe not fully independent for those paying for their kids' school and everything like that. I know some parents, you you can't wait for that day to come. You're longing for it. 
And others of you are shedding tears even right now as you think about it. But that day will come where our kids will become fully independent of us. And spiritually speaking, I think there's a similar progression for us as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. But I think the dependence is completely the opposite. Being spiritually mature is not growing more independent. It's, it's actually growing more dependent on God and learning to depend on one another. And throughout the book of Acts, we see this dependence on God in the early church. The main character in the book of Acts is not the apostles. It is the Holy Spirit himself. In Acts 1, Jesus tells the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. The mission is too big for you to handle on your own. You will need the Spirit of God to empower you along the way. Jesus is inviting his disciples to a life of dependence on God, first and foremost, and not on themselves. And I think for us today, I think the challenges of life, often God is inviting us to a life of dependence on him. That we can't make it on our own, that we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. And also, a together community learns to depend on one another. And there's a growing trust and reliance on the people of God to meet their needs. Acts 4.32, it says, No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And going on to verse 33, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. You know, in a together community, people know one another's needs. The community rallies in unity to be, be there for each other. And this got very real for the early believers. Many of them were struggling materially and physically. They had to put themselves in a posture of dependence to rely on the community. And it was this very posture of dependence that God affirmed the legitimacy of their community. Again, I think this is a real challenge for us in our culture today. We live in a culture that values independence and tells us not to show weakness. Don't show your neediness. I think the message we keep hearing from culture is, I got to make this on my own. I got to pull things together and muster my way through this. Let's be honest, men. I don't want to make generalizations, but if we struggle to ask for directions, how much more do we struggle when we're facing life's deep challenges to reach out and to ask for help. And I think there are many things that can be behind our resolve to live independently. It could be our pride. It could be our embarrassment or our shame. It could be our disappointment with others that leads us to go the Lone Ranger route and not invite others into that place where we really need help. We need others to come 
alongside us. I love this quote by this French guy, Jean Venier, because I think he gets at the longing that we have for community. He says, people are longing to rediscover true community. We have had enough of loneliness, independence, and competition. I don't know about you, but when I stop and really think about this, I'm tired of my own independence. I'm tired of constantly just being self-reliant and not being willing to depend on those in my life. It really is an exhausting way to live. We're just always self-sufficient. We're missing out on the relief that comes when we share our burdens with one another. And I think the challenge is to live a dependent life is going to require vulnerability. We're going to have to put ourselves out there. And when we choose to be vulnerable and put ourselves in that place of need, I think that's where God shows up and he meets us there. Veneer goes on to write, Community is a place of pain, of the death of ego. In community, we are sacrificing independence and the pseudo-security of being closed up. We can only live this pain if we are certain that for us, being in community is our response to a call from God. If we do not have this certitude, then we won't be able to stay in community. I don't know if you caught what he said, but being in community is a response to a call from God. The movement in our lives to sacrifice independence is truly a response to the work of God in us. Our independence is partly rooted in our inability to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is inviting us to be a dependent people and not to live life solo. I want to go back to the Patriot movie and and Benjamin Martin, he had a reputation of being a great warrior. When he eventually gets involved in the Revolutionary War, he doesn't do it on his own. His first response is he's chasing after some soldiers, and he brings his two little boys to go with him. And these boys are terrified out of their mind, but Benjamin Martin's leaning on his own kids to track down two, uh, a multitude of sh- soldiers. And then later on, he goes on to build an army out of family men and farmers. He wasn't foolish to think that he could do it on his own. And I think scenarios like war or a sports team or when we face crises and and tragedies reveal the truth that we truly are dependent on other people, that we really can't make it on our own. And our lives are going to be filled with many battles, many struggles, and many pains. And there's no doubt about it that we need God's help in those moments. But we also need to realize that we need one another. That we're not meant to to do it alone. I want to get really practical here. And I think there's two things that need to happen in community for all this. First, in community, people need to be honest with their needs. We have to be real with our struggles and pains and our trials in community. The second thing is the community needs to step up 
and bear the burdens that people are struggling with. A lot of times I think it's easier to serve or respond to people who are in crisis. I think one of the challenges for us is to really ask the question, do I need the people in my group and in my community? When I go to my group or my CG or Bible study, whatever community it is, am I willing to put myself in a place of need and open up about the challenges in my life? And not to rely just on myself, but invite other people into those struggles. I think it's a beautiful thing when you see someone in community be vulnerable and authentic and open up and just call on the community to help them in their time of need. I think this challenges to each one of us in community. Are, are we willing to lay aside our independence and confess our dependence on others in community? I'll never forget some of the moments where I've seen this happen in, in various groups I've been a part of. I remember a time when one guy in our group came, and during the prayer time, he just opened up and just said, my faith is hanging by a thread. Those are the words he used. Life had just trampled him down. And he was so discouraged. He was doubting the reality of God. And he was vulnerable. He opened that up in community, and the group was able to rally around him and encourage him and pray for him. Remember other times where people have just been honest that they're not sure how to make God a priority in their life and just invited the community, can you help me figure out how to really follow Jesus and listen to me and talk with me about this. Remember times when people have opened up their past failures and sins and struggles and the darkness that exists in their story and just invited the community to help them find grace and forgiveness that Christ is offering them. And I'll be honest, this is a challenge for me, especially as a pastor when I go to my group it's hard to open up those places of need and weakness, but it's something I'm, I'm striving to really grow in, to be honest with my CG about my own struggles. We need to move out of our modes of self-sufficiency and independence and allow the Spirit of God to lead us into greater dependence on one another. When people open up and share these things, the community needs to pay attention we need to rally together, not minimize what they're going through, not judge them, but just walk with them in grace and love. And together, community values dependence over independence. And second, a together, community values people over possessions. Values people over possessions. Going back to verse 33, it says, No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. I had to read up and study kind of what was going on here. And based on the commentaries that I read, here's what's happening in the Acts 4 community. There was a voluntary liquidation of assets among the early believers, to give to those in the community who had need. 
So someone in the community had a crisis or a need, and people in the, in the community would sell off their possessions to give and to help meet that need. People made choices and sacrifices to help the common good of the community. And I think this is a powerful demonstration of a community of believers caring for one another in very real and practical ways. In a together community that the Spirit of God is shaping, not only does independence begin to die, but selfishness and possessiveness gets rooted out as sacrificial love for one another becomes the main storyline of the community. One of the marks of God's activity is a sharing and generosity of life. A together community begins to realize that people are the most important commodity in God's kingdom and that possessions and resources at the end of the day are given as a means and not an end in themselves. I came across a story this week that was um, about a mine worker during the Great Potato Famine in Ireland in the mid-1800s. And like all the other guys, he brought his lunch to work. Uh, His wife packed him his lunch, and during lunchtime, he would go off by himself alone and eat his lunch by no one else. And all the other guys were wondering, what is going on? Every day, this guy goes off by himself. And the assumption was this guy probably has a really good lunch and he doesn't want to share it with anybody else. And finally, they couldn't take the suspense any longer, so one of the guys snuck over and opened up his pail, expecting to find this gourmet meal, and what he found was a bunch of peels of the potato. Every day, this man chose to just take the peels of the potato so that his kids could have the best for his family. He deferred himself for the sake of his kids every single day and just ate the scraps. I think we're all touched in a little bit of way by stories like this because they reveal a real and authentic love. Sacrifice is so important to authentic love. To put someone before ourself is at the heartbeat of what it really means to love another. I think many of us get this concept of sacrificial love when it comes to our family. If our parents are in crisis or our kids have an issue or our siblings, man, we'll do anything to step up and to help them. I believe God is calling us to bring the same attitude and mindset to this, our spiritual family. And how we see our community when someone is struggling and the community needs to step up and love them sacrificially. I think Acts 4 is descriptive rather than prescriptive, meaning I don't think it's saying that everyone needs to sell all their possessions and write out a check to HCC this morning. That, that's what it means to be in community. But I think the challenge to us is, are we willing to sacrifice what is most precious to us to help someone in need in our community, in our group? Will we truly value people over possessions? 
I really believe time and money are the two greatest commodities in our culture these days. And we need to pay attention when there's a need in our community that would require the sacrifice of our time or the sacrifice of our money. For example, if someone in your community group is going through a really hard time, they're just in a very difficult season, I think the challenge to the people in that group is, am I willing to set aside time in my calendar to pick up the phone to call them and check in on them? to schedule a time to do coffee or a meal with them, just to listen to them and to pray for them. I think in community, we got to step it up and be willing to sacrifice our time. And I know we all have busy schedules and crazy work and family life, but that's the price that we need to pay to really build life together community. Maybe there's a genuine financial need within your community And it'd be so easy to shrug your shoulders and say, you know what, that's not my problem. That's that person's problem. And I think the challenge to us is to take time to pray and just really ask God what he would want us to do. To surrender control and leadership of our resources and just follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. Don't do it out of obligation or to feel better about yourself as a Christian. Follow the lead of the Holy Spirit and really pray about it. The final quick observation I want to make about this text is a together community values people. So it talks about the greatest person in their life together and in the world. I couldn't ignore this this verse. It says, With great power, the apostles continue to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. People in the early church just couldn't stop talking about Jesus. Whether they were threatened or put into prison, it didn't matter. The Holy Spirit was at work in their community. They were unashamed to talk about Jesus Christ. I think when a together community values people, they know that more than possessions or security or comfort, what people really need is a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. An eternal hope that can only be found in him, our cornerstone. I think in a spirit-led community, Jesus is at the forefront of the conversations and what we talk about. And I think we need to get honest with ourselves. How often do we really talk about Jesus when we gather? Is he at the forefront of our minds and our conversation? Are we talking about what Christ is doing in our life? Because I think if we're, we're struggling to do it among believers, it's going to be so much harder to do it out there in the world and to be unashamed of Jesus Christ. Again, if we remember that Jesus is the one that brought us together in the first place, then he is the starting point of our life together. And he needs to be the storyline and the main character and how we do community and life together. Before I close, I just want to give us kind of three just practical encouragements and kind of next steps to kind of make this hopefully real in our lives. And the first one is just be, to be grateful and thankful for the times that you've experienced life together community. When you really have sensed that people got your back 
and that you're depending on one another. I think oftentimes we can focus on the negative and see how this isn't happening, but I think a lot of us in our past and even our present, we're experiencing life together community. And it's a gift, it's a treasure, we need to celebrate it, we need to acknowledge it, and first of all, just thank God for those moments when we really experience it. The second thing is just to be honest about your own independence. I I think the majority of us struggle with independence. And this affects our relationship with God. It affects our relationship with other people. And I think the first step is just not to deny it and to acknowledge it. It's a real problem. And ask God to just really search your heart and just to examine what is behind that life of independence that you might be living. And then even this week, to kind of look for those moments where instead of choosing to be independent, you can take a step towards dependence. There's an issue you're facing at work or a challenge in your family. Instead of going solo, invite someone in your community to come alongside you and to be with you in your struggles. And again, this will take vulnerability. This might be uncomfortable, uh, but this is really the life that God wants us to live, to really depend on one another. And the final encouragement is to take one step this week to pursue another person in your community. I really believe that sacrificial love involves intentional pursuit of one another. This is what I see in the life of Jesus. Man, he pursued people all the time. He made the first move. Who is a a person in your group or your community who you could take a step to move towards, to encourage them, to affirm them, to spend time with them, and just let them know that you care about them and that you're with them, that you got their back? And I mentioned this last week, but this isn't up to your group leader alone. This is not just a job of the community group leader to pursue everybody in your community. This is a responsibility and role that each one of us can play. To take steps of sacrifice, to really put people first in our lives. We're all in this together. Yeah, I just, um, one of the thoughts I had as I close is just, I think a lot of us have experienced a life together community in the past. And my prayer is that we would not just rely on past stories and experiences, but this would be something that we really fight for today. That we would not give up, that God wants us to be in life together community, but it's not just going to happen. We're going to have to pursue it and to be intentional, and to really fight for it together. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.